I have had coaching clients where wow. I've gotten a, a message, like we were talking about yeah. this the other day, where somebody was looking at jumping off the bridge and committing suicide. Three in the morning, I answered the phone call and it was oh crazy. Gosh. So, Good morning. Welcome to the Not A Genius Podcast. My name is Jesse. And my name is Josh. And today we got Joe Wu Rachowski in the house. What's up, Joe? What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. It's like... We just met yesterday for lunch, and now we got you onto the podcast. I know, that quick. Thank you so much for saving our skins, because we literally did not have anything Zero better. For, nothing for today. better to do with our lives, except just message as many people as we possibly can to try to get an episode today. Awesome. But you guys are welcome. We are more than happy to have you. Out of all the people that we could have gotten, you were at the top of the list. So, <laughs> for, like, yeah. And you came to us. It, yeah. yeah, It's it, to be honest, like... When you messaged the the not a genius Instagram, yeah, I was just like, bro, I don't know, like here we go. I, right? I feel like if someone's reaching out, like they're probably just gonna go on and try and plug everything, and like yeah. that's what the podcast is gonna be. But we met <laughs> yeah. yesterday, and you're like an awesome guy, and you're doing and, a lot. And of cool I just things. felt the vibe. I saw it, and Bob Wordburton's actually how I got to know you guys. And I was like, what is that? I'm like, where did he get that? And I'm like, what is this not a genius thing? And I'm like. I like the vibe and I'm like, it's really cool. And it was just, I, I, I started watching this stuff. I'm like, I couldn't stop watching it. Wow. It was just so much fun. And it was like, I need to be on there because I feel like it just would be a lot of fun. It just, yeah. it, it just seemed really cool. It just seemed natural. So that's why I started reaching out. Wow. Can you describe the vibe? We have no clue like what people think about us. <laughs> I, I, the vibe is just very natural. Like I, I like how you guys are just, you are what you are. You know, there's no bullshitting here. It's like, you're here, we're on a couch, we're, you know, in a living room. It's great. It's fun. And it's just... Mm -hmm. It's just fun. Like it's 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 a fun vibe. It's not serious, you know, where it's everybody's all stiff and serious. You see all this stuff, and it's just, it's just like you're having a regular conversation. Yeah. We're sitting around having a drink or a beer or something, or yeah, sitting around the table just chatting about life and anything. And that's what I that's what really attracted me to it. When did you first start watching YouTube? I'm gonna derail the conversation, but cool. like just was wondering since YouTube came up in like 2006 ish. Like yep. I was wondering when did you first hit YouTube like as a viewer. As a viewer, probably 2008 when I really got on social media. I was against social media. I was like, I didn't get on Facebook and YouTube really till like 2008, 2009. All my friends were like, oh, you got to get on social media. I'm like, I don't want to get on that bullshit. Like, no, like, yeah. I don't want to be out there. And then I saw the value of it right away. I was like, wow, people are posting videos of themselves yeah. somewhere and they're getting all these views. I'm like, interesting. It's a marketing thing. I'm yeah. like, it's great. And then Facebook, same thing. And I saw the value. I'm like, oh, I got to go on. So I got on everything at that point. Yeah. Okay. So. Do you ever remember these guys named Smosh? You ever sm remember Smosh? Not really, no. Or what about Nigahiga? Remember that. You remember Nigahiga? A little, little bit. Okay, so last week we had our friend TK on the episode. He grew up in Hilo, Hawaii, which is where Ryan Higa. Saw that. Ryan yeah. Higa, uh, he lives or lived. And uh, TK has a cousin that's like best friends with Ryan. So back in those days, <laughs> he was just like, who are these idiots just like <laughs> making videos while running around, you know, being super goofy. And like, they post them online all of a sudden, like, dude, this kid from Hilo, Hawaii is like famous. And I was like, ah, oh, well, I'm not sure if like, when you mentioned like, oh, you felt like we were very natural, just regular guys just having a conversation it kind of bring, brought me back to that moment when i was talking to tk about it. he was like yeah they were just like regular dudes just making yeah. videos on the street and <laughs> it's like nobody knew what this joke of a what's it called inflatable green ball that they were trying to sell like making like fake infomercials for fun like, right i don't know if you remember those episodes. a little bit not much yeah I mean, no I was no really, one no yeah. one has seen those yeah. things in like 10 years but 
it's like it brings me back i'm like dang it's yeah like and a, I, I did that last week i actually watched the the first uh video was uploaded to youtube a guy like at a zoo or something i was like what was the first video i just like i just googled it. i was like i want to know like how it all started again because sometimes i like to look back and yeah. see how we started I've i was like wow that. that video holy crap does it have like a lot of views or? yeah it's it's like i think almost close to a billion or something oh, now. like wow. yeah it's just it just blows up every okay. now and again you guys ever seen the panda sneeze no, no. Yeah, you've never seen no. the panda sneeze? That's so funny. Well, what about Chocolate Rain? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, you guys yeah, seen? I've seen that. Yeah. It's like Zun, Zun, something, Tay Zunday or something like that. But, oh, the good old days of You can YouTube. go down a rabbit hole still when yeah. you're watching YouTube or TikTok. You're just hours later, oh you're like, what God, is this? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd it go? I know. But I can't imagine being like that early of a pioneer. It just feels like we're so super late to the game. Yeah. But it's okay. It's better to be late to the party than never. And if anything, we're fashionably late. Yeah. I'm always late for stuff. You know, I was always a late bloomer. No, you were early today. Yeah, I was, I was late. Our, yeah. yeah. I was late to my own show today. <laughs> Just got out of the shower. I was like, oh, it's 1057. I'm not that late. I'm actually three minutes early. <laughs> yeah, I think I hear like five, 10 minutes early. So I was like, I yes. want to be respectful. And Thank that's you. one of my much. biggest things is like, you know, I tell people my biggest pet peeves is people being late. You oh, know? I'm sorry and about that. No, that's and, thing, and th- look, things <laughs> happen, but it's okay. Like, you know, but, you were so yeah, late, yeah. bro. <laughs> I was so late to lunch yesterday. It's all like, good. Oh, it's bad. No, nah, that's all good. It, like stuff happens. I mean, hey, you said, hey, I got I had a meeting around late. All good. I mean, I've had people like in jobs where they're like, oh no, you know, I, I'm not going to be there. And like, why? They skirt yeah. you. Yeah, they skirt you. They just like ding dong get you, or they just don't respond. You're like, what the hell is going yeah, on? Why? Yeah. And, like, just tell me. You know, and it's okay. But yeah, so I've really prided myself on trying to be on time for things and yeah. be early. So yeah, if I'm late. I always say 10 to 20 minutes, just let them know before you actually have to meet them. Don't let them know the minute before, hey, I'm not going to be there at 12.30. I'll be there at 12.45. Well, my, yeah, my wife and I have our clock set in the in the bedroom 20 minutes um, fast, Seriously? so that way we're on time. Yeah, wow. it's, it's a little psychological thing. What about your phone, though? Did phone, you... I know you can't. That's the thing. So that's why I try not to look at it first thing in the morning because I'm like, oh, that's, you know. Oh, that's actual time. Yeah, exactly. I look at the alarm clock over there. I'm like, okay, I got another 20 minutes. Now I got to get up. So that's a, cool, that's a cool life hack. Yeah, alarm clocks. Alarm clocks is the way that you should be running your life because if you're always on your phone, theoretically you're always on a computer. Yeah. And do you want to really spend twenty hours a day on a computer? No. Yeah. But we do. Yeah. Sometimes I think about how much time I spend on my phone because that's just counting the screen time. But then I don't really count the screen time that's on the laptop. Yeah. Just like oh my gosh, so I'm spending like six to eight hours over here, and I'm spending another four to six over here. It's bad. It's like half the day. That's that's what I do right now because I mean There's I no use way. this thing for business and yeah. you're networking and connecting with people so I'm probably on it a good 13 14 hours oh, off and on during the day you know no posting way. videos mm-hmm. uploading responding to comments I mean I've got ads running on all social media so I have to you know respond to the ads respond to comments because if you don't respond people are just going to go away and yeah. go somewhere else so you always respond say hey thanks appreciate that yeah my wife is always giving me flack about <laughs> um, me in liking the idea of the metaverse and i'm just like we already spent half our days on the, the phones or on the computer i'm like what's 24 hours <laughs> right right <laughs> i don't know you have any thoughts of the metaverse you got you, yeah you got i actually quest started, you got a quest too yeah i already started getting into the metaverse so if you guys saw an agt that company metaphysic that did the um the uh, simon cowell uh, gig mm-hmm. where he was singing and then they brought elvis back I actually reached out to those guys and I hounded the shit out of them for like weeks. I'm like, I want to get you on my show and I'm still working to get that. But I'm like, I want to get in. I want to see what this is about. So they got me a log on and I started creating my avatar in there. So it's very early stages, but it's really cool. And I was able to like 
de-age myself to look younger and then age myself older is like oh wow this is cool (laughs) so it's kind of neat and and i'm always like now because like i was so late to all the social media i'm like all right what's the next biggest thing how do i get in there and like to me the metaverse is going to be even bigger and i worked at some companies that did ai and virtual reality um up in new york and i saw some of the stuff that it was doing like years ago i'm like wow i got to get in on this Mm -hmm. and really understand it because that's going to be the fabric of our lives yeah it's like ready player one exactly yeah it's like you de-age yourself <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it was cool i was like oh i look younger i don't have much gray hair that's great i love it and then when i saw myself older i'm like wow i gotta get in shape or something it was weird but it was neat seeing that it was it's kind of cool to see some of the initial things of it so yeah. yeah so are you gonna sell loans in the metaverse or probably i'm trying to figure out how that's all gonna work i figure in the real estate you know you're gonna be able to put on the helmet and actually go take a tour of the house mm-hmm. while you're all in different places yeah. you know and things like that and probably when we do loans, I'll bet people put on a helmet or hat or something and we'll be able to go over, you know, like the loans, like they'll be able to see my screen instead of like Zoom or something. And we could be like standing in the room like, hey, look at this. Here's your loan estimate. Here's that. Here's your cost. And I think it's I think it's going to be great. I really do. I'm excited about it because if you got somebody coming from California, you could do Zoom. But yeah. then it's like it doesn't have that impact probably as like the metaverse if you're almost like standing there and they could see it right in front yeah. of you instead of yeah. a screen. So I'm excited about that. I think that's where it's going to go in a couple of years, yeah. maybe to be the loan originator or to be the actual lender because you know squid game yep. <laughs> it's like based off of people lending and then like you got this mob going on behind the scenes like you pay yeah you you got your money and it's like yep. i don't know to be the loan originator or to be the lender right which, which one would you rather be i like to be the lender because i feel like for me it's like i can you know i'm, I'm always looking at new products i'm always looking at ways how we can help solve customer issues <laughs> like loan originator is great because you're on the ground level with people, you're helping them out, you're seeing it day to day, like what pain they're going through, they're trying to get a home, mm-hmm. you see the struggle with their credit. I love that. I mean, I love seeing people getting their keys, but also too, I think on a grand scale, it's bigger than that. You know, it's like, how do we help people on a global scale or a bigger scale to to really get into the home? And there's gotta be more programs out there because right now with rates going up, how they are and people not qualifying, what else is out there that we can do to help people get into homes that could be good for them? Are there other grant programs yeah. or what else yeah. is out there? What do you think of those like, uh, what's it called? Payday loan programs that go around the country. You know the Ooh, different yeah. loan shark schemes. I don't know. Give us. Give I did. I did those when I was younger. Because seriously, I, yeah, because I screwed myself up financially and I did pay. Talk loans. about it. Yeah, please, wait, please. wait. What is that? I don't. I so don't even payday know loans, like basically, yeah, you. Yeah, I have no. You just drive around. And you see them. It says cash for title or title loans or stuff okay, like that. Okay. You do title loans like that. Basically, you just you get like an advance. Like you give your paychecks and you do an app. They pull credit and then you get advanced and then they deposit like your paycheck into your account. So if you don't have any money, you get it and then you got to pay an exorbitant amount. So like you're paying like 30, 40% almost in, in rate in a way and you're paying back like a huge amount. Like so you think a monthly payment is like 20, 30 bucks on $1,000 or 20 bucks, you're paying like two, 300 bucks back for every payday. And if you don't, then they come after you and it's, it's a nasty, nasty thing. I never got to that point, but some of the stuff and shit I've seen people go through, like just the horror of getting out of payday loans where it blows up and they start adding fees and late fees and finance charges. Like a thousand dollars could end up being four or five grand easily. It's it's scary. So are they actually able to charge the people that or like, does it go to court and then is it considered? Yeah, some of them, some of them will, some will go to court, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they will get a collection agency. They'll sell to a collection agency, come after you and, and they hound the crap out of you. Cause you know, there was a friend of mine who did it in California and he was like getting, three or four calls a day and they were like emailing like oh and they were gosh. just blowing them up like you know emails texts 
three phone calls or whatever it was like, Hey, you know, pay up. Where are you at? When are you going to pay? You know, we tried, we got an NSF and what are you doing? So it, it, it is scary. I mean, it serves a purpose. I, I get it in a way, but like, to me, it's like, it, it is, I think it's more predatory than, than it, it does good. I really do. Mm-hmm. I love to see him get away with it or get, get rid of it basically. Get rid you know? of it. Yeah. So it. from the loan applications that come in, like what are some of the craziest things that you see on people's credits? I'm sure you guys, you guys have seen people try to cloud people's credit with uh, the payday loans. But what else do you see besides like, oh, they bought the car, they bought the house, they got this or that. It's like, yeah, what you else see, is out there? You see a lot of people who buy cars that can't afford them, right? You get somebody that comes in and says, oh, well, I need a car. And that's like a six, $700 Mercedes payment. Yeah. And you're making $50,000 a year. No disrespect against anybody. But it's like, what are you thinking? Like, you can't really afford that right now. How do you want to afford a house when you're making that? You've got to make much more and to try to educate them. So you see a lot of high-end car loans. Mm. Um, bank statements are always interesting when you look at the bank statements and see what people have. I mean, I've seen the crazy stuff, you know, like pornography <laughs> stuff. Only fans. <laughs> yeah, only like that, pornography and, you know, like visits to like Vegas or casinos. And I'm not knocking anybody, but it's like you want to buy a house, but you're like, hey, what the hell? Are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, you're trying to buy a house, but you're like you going to Vegas. This out first, yeah. yeah, three or four grand here, and what are we doing? So the stuff you see is unbelievable. Yeah, and of course, when you have a loan going, like they don't tell you, oh, I just bought furniture for a house and blows up the loan, or I had to get a brand new car. You know, I want to celebrate, and I had that happen last year, and it blew up the loan. Oh my god! Because you got to put that into the debt ratio. Yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. give us your origin story, beginning from like, okay, uh, what did you graduate? from college with in terms of degree what was your internship experience and then what did you end up getting into how long you stayed in it for and then where you are today i love it origin story wow so i was originally (laughs) born in philadelphia um i was an entrepreneur very early on i had i was a kid that had the lemonade stand i had a little uh the rat wagon flyer cart you know little wagon thing and i put uh, lemonade on it and we go to the hockey players every Saturday and charge five cents. This is back in the early 1980s. So, wow. uh, so I did that and, uh, moved to Chicago, learned a lot out there, came back here to Delaware. So I traveled around a lot cause my dad was a big executive and yeah. you know, he moved around quite a bit. So came back to the Philadelphia area, lived in Delaware, graduated high school, went to Villanova, um, for college and studied communications. I always <laughs> wanted to be television, television production and film. And, my great uncle would always say, because I would do spoof videos, like, you're the next Steven Spielberg. And I never understood what that kind of meant. And I went to school um, for television and film. And I went out and graduated, had a lot of fear, and just went right into banking and just kind of settled in life like a lot of people do and never went for my dream. I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of confidence issues back then in the 90s and just really settled into banking. So I went into the credit card world here, did the tour of duty, like First USA, MBNA, you know, Wells Fargo, Wachovia Bank, all those credit card companies, and then went to Discover Card, and uh, it was all customer service. So I built a great career out of it. You know, it was helping people, and that was part of the whole journey, was helping people, you know, get what they need to get. Got a headhunter called me in 2007, said, hey, how would you like to come work in Washington, D.C. for the Red Cross? I jumped at it. Didn't even tell me what position it was. I'm like, well, it's an IT position. And no idea what the heck IT was other than I don't know. I know what a phone is and what a computer is, but I don't know what a server is or, you know, a rack or whatever it is. And so they said, we like your customer service, you know, skill set because I had my resume out there and took me down to D.C., interviewed me. And I went through like, I think, 15 interviews or something like oh that wow. and went up to the CIO and everybody loved me. But the CIO. So his first question was, do you know what Roger Clemens uh, statistics were last year? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, that's what you need to know. You need to know statistics. And I didn't understand what that was. And he's like, well, why did we hire you? I said, I have a different diverse experience coming in. I could give you a different viewpoint on IT, learning it from the ground up. 
So everybody around me there believed in me and were giving me the shot, but the CIO was kind of nixing it. So it went two weeks, I didn't hear anything. And I finally got the call and said, hey, you got the opportunity. So I, for five years, uh, I worked at the Red Cross. I traveled to D.C. like Joe Biden on Amtrak, where I drove down there uh, two hours each way. Is that next to Joe Biden? Back. A couple of times, I sat next to Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> Mayor yeah. Mike Nutter, uh, Bon Jovi was in, in Amtrak, uh, Hulk Hogan's daughter, uh, a lot of people I met. Yeah. And, uh, That's crazy. Had a beer with Mayor Michael Nutter, bought him popcorn, uh, sat next to Biden when he was a uh, senator back then before he was yeah. vice president. So I had a little chat with him. Uh, it was always interesting meeting various people. And then you saw the crazies on the train. But I did that for five years. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. A block and a half from the White House. You know, you're in the concrete jungle of mm -hmm. D.C. And you're seeing all these things and all these things happening. But it was a great experience. And then I got uh, they decided to outsource because they were struggling uh, mm -hmm. financially. Got a call from a headhunter to work at a you know AI virtual reality sort of automata company in New York City for a vendor, um, which is Comcast in Philly. So I worked in Philly, New York. So that was great working in New York City. Who wouldn't want to do that and build up a great reputation of developing you know customer service uh, solutions basically for customers and automata for internal sort of client relations type things. And then finally, uh, they're like, well, we're gonna basically kill the contracts with Comcast. And at that point, uh, my dad contacted a friend of the family and said, yeah, my son's going to be out of a job again. It's like every three to four or five years, company's divesting itself. They're going out of business. They're changing things around. So, you know, and the guy's like, bring him over here. Bring him on my back deck and we're going to have a cigar and talk and I'm going to help him. And it was all about mortgages. So I was like, I know the first thing about mortgages. I worked in credit cards. I'm like, what do we do with that? And he's like, I'm going to help you, help you build a business and you can be an entrepreneur. So he had passed away in 2016, but got me into the business. And really the rest is uh, history, you know, starting our own business a year and a half ago, uh, a broker business. And then coming up along the side, part of my origin story is all the fear, all the crap I dealt with, all the bullying. I dealt with a lot of bullying growing up. Um, I was always picked last. <laughs> I was always never chosen, passed over for promotions and, and everything. So I created a, a coaching business out of all those problems and challenges I had, um, and decided to help people that way is to get back and help people get over their fears and break through their limiting beliefs about themselves. So here I am today, an entrepreneur, happy as hell and just loving life and living my best life right now. That's super awesome. I want to backtrack it too. Yeah. When you mentioned uh, you had a lot of fear coming out of college, that's why you went directly into the banking industry. But then later down in your life, it sounds like you got into communications, you got into media. Yeah. Well, what was the difference between when you came out of college, like, uh, why did you have that type of fear? And then what changed later down in your life that made you believe that you can kind of do anything? Love that. You know, just coming out of college, I just wasn't confident in myself. I was always a kid that was never confident. I would never raise my hand in class. I would sit in the back of the classroom. Um, I wouldn't go to the teacher for help. I would always struggle. And I just don't know if that was, I guess, me growing up, that was my personality. And, you know, it was always frustrating me. I couldn't figure out, like, why am I not getting this job opportunity? And I would get some stuff and I would be successful and build a great career. But then I went to a, a Tony Robbins event and I heard, you know, two things. Um, your past does not equal your future. And I did firewalking. When I heard that quote, I was like, wow. And it just woke me up. And it was like this lion came out. I was like, your past does not equal your future. I said, all this shit I'm doing doesn't equal my future. My future was whatever the hell I make of it. And I just got so confident I got energized and I heard your network is basically like your net worth and started meeting people, got the confidence and just started watching, immerse myself in you know videos. And when YouTube was coming out and everything like that, I started watching these videos. I got all the tapes, 
you know, the VHS tapes, the CDs, and just started immersing myself in that. And I just somehow grew confidence out of it. And now I've kind of come full circle because I'm now doing media. I'm doing my own video production, doing my own interviews. And I never would have thought in a million years coming out of college that I would have uh, been the one sitting in the front of the classroom now or sitting in the front row uh, interviewing people or even being something like this. I would have passed up on this 10 years ago wow. just because of being scared. And I just, I just broke through it all. And then the fire walking piece was like the tip of the iceberg, seeing that fire in front of you, like, that's all the baggage, all the shit, all the bullying, all the, you know, getting the crap beaten out of you in school. I mean, I got my head thrown into a urinal in, in eighth wow. grade. I got bullied that bad. I got my head thrown onto a field next to dog shit. And I, I got, you know, slammed to the ground. And the kid's like on top of me. He's like, I'm your bitch. I own you. And it just impacted me. And I think all those experiences probably kind of collapsed me inside where I was just all internal and I wasn't out and external. Wow. And That's when tough. I saw that fire, I saw all that stuff in front of me, all those visions of getting stuck in the urinal, the dog shit, you know, being told no, being told you're not good enough, pick the last. And I just busted through that thing. Wow. And I never, I'll never forget, like, I was so scared of it. I just started doing this, like all these chants, like this and that and everything. And I just saw Tony, like, and I just busted right through it. I just walked so fast, like I ran. And he was like, whoa. And it was, it was like a phenomenal experience. It was just life changing. And I've just been on this whole different trajectory since then. So you're telling me that that one event or that one moment kind of just changed everything. It kind of just erased your past and you're more so using it now to project you into the future. You're turning your weaknesses into your strength and that's part of your story. Yep. Right. That's it. And it's like an anchor moment. So whenever I feel less confident or there's times where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm scared. Why am I fearful? I shouldn't be fearful. I'll go back to that moment in my head of seeing myself walk across that fire, seeing all these visions in my head. And it's like this, this big thing, this big rush comes back. I'm like, I got this. And, and that's what I do. And then I start chanting, like, I got this. I'm unstoppable. Nothing's going to stop me. And I've kind of incorporated into a lot of my, you know, my daily things. I do gratitude in the morning. And then usually when I'm up early in the morning, I'm like, there's nothing's going to stop me today. I say a hundred times and it's ingrained in your body and your mind. And when you do it, like nothing's going to stop me. I'm, you know, fearless and all this stuff. When you do it, you just feel it and you can get through anything during the day. You, you say a hundred times every single day. Yeah. Yeah, and usually in the cars when I do it too. So on the way over here, I got this, I got this, I got this. This is going to be awesome. I'm fucking unstoppable. I got this, I got this. And I just, the whole way over, 20 minute ride, I kept saying wow. it. And it was, it, was, it was like, and he gets every me in day? state. Yeah, every day I do that. Like when that's I'm driving awesome, to dude. the office, I'll say that I got this. There's nothing that's going to stop us today. That problem with that loan, that problem with that issue, we got that shit. We're going to solve that shit. And I just keep saying it over and over. And it puts you into a whole different state. Yeah. Because you're in a state of like, oh my gosh, well, I got all this shit. I got my to do list. And now I'm like, now I'm coming up from a proactive standpoint, like where I've got this, what's the solution? You're looking at it from a whole different perspective. And it's so eye-opening when you can get to that level above the fear and above all the crap and you see it. Dude, I freaking love that yeah. because I used to be the guy, like, I don't know what it is about me, like signing up for like cabaret nights or open mics, but I just like grab a guitar and I like to go entertain people. I'm like not a musician. Wow. I just go out there. That's cool. It's like, I know like four chords, <laughs> maybe eight, right. <laughs> but like... I'll go out there, but then like right before then, like, or I used to also write songs back in college. So it was like, I would have my <laughs> own like thing, like my rap and I'm going out to perform for this open mic, but beforehand I go into the bathroom and I'm just like, I can do this. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, that brings me back. It does. We it's don't, amazing. I don't, I don't do that as much anymore. Yeah. I think I should. I, I, I got to start doing that. I'll yeah. tell you, it really puts you in an amazing state uh, whenever you have the fear. And I, I was speaking on stage in Atlantic City and I got myself so nervous the morning of, I was thrown up. I mean, I was uh, literally in oh the bathroom gosh. the night before. I mean, I was, I probably lost 10 pounds, seriously, not to be TMI, but 
I just got myself so in that fear state. I'm like, here we go with that pattern again. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, dude, it's okay. You're going to have those patterns where you're going to return to those fear states, but you can overcome it because you've already done it. Mm -hmm. And so when you think back to the anchoring moment and you start saying, I got this, I got this. And I'm sure people in the other hotel rooms heard me saying, I got this in the hotel, <laughs> freaking out. And they're like, what is that? Yeah, what's going but like, on? All the way on down to the stage. I was like, I got this. And I just kept saying it. Even like when I'm talking in my mind, I got this. And I just get there like this. I do the pose. I'm like, I got this shit. There's nothing that's going to stop me from delivering the ultimate value to these people today. And I had like 10 people come up and say, that was the coolest thing I ever heard. Like you really impacted me. I felt it. And I was like, that's so awesome. When you that's can okay. impact people on that level, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So you went to this event, you broke through that fear. And I feel like, I mean, I've only ever been to like one of those, one event, even like somewhat similar. And the one thing I kind of realized is like, there's only a, like 10% of the people that actually like hear the message that they're saying and then go out and do it. Right. And so like, what did you go out and do after you broke through those self-limiting beliefs? So I just, I mean, I just started journaling right away. Like I just, I just did this data dump, like of all these things, like all this flood of emotions came out when I firewalked. I mean, I broke down. I literally was like crying in the hotel room. I'm like, why the hell am I living a life of just like fear and not playing full out? You know? And I just, I just was so open. It was almost like I needed that moment to say, Hey, it's okay. It's okay to have all these fears. It's okay to have all this baggage, but it's not okay to let this shit impact you uh, for your life. You have to live a better life. You, you're out here to, to live the best life. Why are you not doing it? And I just, I journaled so much stuff, probably 20 pages that night of stuff. Like, cause back then it was like, you know, before we had the phones and everything, but I was just writing and writing and writing of stuff of why I couldn't do something. And I just, I turned it around and it was something. And then I just started taking big, massive action. You know, I just, I really started putting myself out of my comfort zone. I would speak up in meetings. I would say, Hey, I disagree with that. Here's my point. You know, and I would not, I would never do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And nowadays it's like, I, I force myself to go on stage. It still is very scary for me, but I get out of my comfort zone. So I do things like firewalking, walking on broken glass, broken shards of glass to actually uh, yeah. do that. And I've done it a thousand times, but every time is different walking on fire. There's always some message or some learning thing you get. And mm -hmm. it's always still a little fearful and it gets you charged up, but it's great to be able to just break through. Even when you have some things nowadays where you need to break yeah. through some stuff. How does that work? Like, can you legitimately burn the bottom of your feet when you firewalk or like, is it not as dangerous as it looks? You can, I mean, people have hurt themselves. If you have some, and there's a lot, unfortunately frauds out there that are doing a lot of this stuff. And you know, the whole fake entrepreneurs, the fake entrepreneurs that are trying to do all this stuff. You, I mean, I went to a class. So basically where Tony Robbins went, there's like a school that's out there that teaches you how to actually prepare fire. And there's so much preparation into it. Uh, but you walk over the hot coals. Like, so you burn it down and over two hours, you let it burn down and then you put the coals down and you walk over it. So if you prepare it right, I, I equate it to kind of like walking on really hot sand. You know, you get on the beach, you're like, ow, oh, that really okay. hurt. Like, and it's, it's a little bit hotter than that. But when you do that, um, and you prepare it right, people have an amazing experience. And that's the thing is you got to take your ego because you're like, oh, I want this thing to be so damn hot and I want everybody to see all these big flames. No, it's about them. It's about the breakthrough in the moment that they've got to have. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. So when you do that and you focus and you have a nice event like that, um, it, it's amazing. So I've walked probably over thousands of people and nobody's ever gotten burned. I've probably walked on fire now well over a thousand times. Um, you get a little spot, you know, kind of mm -hmm. a little hot spot on your foot if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, you just have to really pay attention. And that's what teaches you, paying attention to everything. Okay. What is your 
wife and your family think of all the crazy stuff that has happened in your life over the last couple of years or this major transformation in your life? They think I'm nuts. <laughs> are they growing along with you or like how are they growing alongside? They're starting to. I think because people are starting to see some of the impact I've been putting out there. I, I know like at times like when I put stuff out on social media, my family like, why did you put that video out there? What are you doing with that post? Like, why are you saying you had all this fear? And why are you saying you you did this or you did that mm -hmm. in your life? And at first I'm like, okay, maybe they're right. I'm like, no, that's not me anymore. Like, mm -hmm. you know what? I know what it is. It's, it's themselves projecting their lack of confidence or whatever. So my family has come along, you know, slowly. And I love them to death. And I just have to understand that, that they're in a different place. Everybody's in a different place in their life. They're in a different spot where... They might be lacking fear, confidence, whatever. So you have to realize, like, I can't put my map of the world on mm. them just as they can't put their map of the world on me. So yeah. I know that they're in the spot. I love them and appreciate them. I know they mean well by their comments and what they're trying to do. But I got to be me and do me and that's it. And that's all that matters. And being me and doing me and having my why will help my family grow and, and, and prosper. Yeah, for sure. I feel like one of the biggest things that I've noticed within my own family since I've only been in an entrepreneur journey for like the last three years, seriously, like before I was like a grass cutter where I worked at Super Fresh or I worked at Dunkin' Donuts and it's like just working these jobs, just hustling, trying to get by, but can never get ahead. And it wasn't until I got into real estate like three years ago. It's like my parents didn't really believe that it could be as big as the thing that it is today. Right. But slowly but surely over time, like uh, it's like two and a half to three years in and my dad left his job. I was like, oh my gosh, wow. like 25 years in that one career. Wow. And he leaves his job to work with me as my construction supervisor. I'm like, dude, this is amazing because he can finally see that we have the potential for him to triple his income in like right. this one year alone. So we're not like one of those startup companies that is just like, oh, we get into business in the first year, we'll take in major dumps, major losses, right. and it sucks. Well, my mom is still like trying to overcome it. And I don't know if she'll ever get there. I really hope that she does. It's like when she sees $15,000 leave the bank at the end right. of the month or like when yeah. she calculates it, but then like she doesn't see the first of the next month or the 10th of next month, $50,000 pour in because this is, you know, right. you invest in these construction workers, $15,000, you're going to get 3X, 4X return on your money just because of how much production that you're doing and you're seeing it happen. It's huge, right? But it's like, she, it's really hard. And it I is. I don't know. I don't it, know. It, I, could you speak of like what it's like to um, start an entrepreneurial journey later down the line? Because you're kind of more of like my parents' age, and my parents are always <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wait well, a second. Like, nah. well, my parents. My parents are always talking about like, oh, I'm tired. My my dad is like. Yeah. He's cool. Like he can go on forever. My mom's like, I'm tired. Like this is, yeah. I'm not young anymore. I'm like, dude, you're like 52. You, <laughs> you got like 13 years until 65 to like make something happen. Wow. My dad's like. So I'm close to that. I'm 47. So maybe I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use the metaverse. That I'll be right old, back bro. and unage myself. Dude, <laughs> how, how old is your kid? My, my daughter's 15 and my son's 11. So okay, whatever, yeah. man. Yeah. And it's hard <laughs> when you have kids too, because when you're yeah. an entrepreneur, you're constantly busy. You're constantly answering the phone. But I think the nice thing for me is like being in customer service and IT, it was a 24 by seven business back then. So my family's kind of used to getting the call at 10 o'clock at night. Like I've had coaching clients where wow. I've gotten a, a message like we were talking about yeah. this the other day where somebody was looking at jumping off the bridge and committing suicide. Three in the morning, I answered the phone call and it was oh crazy. Gosh. So starting an entrepreneur business up later in life is much harder because when you have a family, you have kids, there's so many things. You've got kids activities. And, this, and I can't keep up with the schedule. I mean, I have a planner. I write stuff down. I have a calendar on my phone. I have a desk calendar. And I still can't keep up with it. 
But it, and I realize that there's no everybody talks about this this balance of being an entrepreneur or the work life balance. There's none of that bullshit. That's all bullshit. It's harmony. Where do I need to be yeah. present? Where do I need mm. to be like totally present? And if it's for family this day, nothing else matters at the point. Like my daughter's, you know, uh, parade or her or band practice or whatever it is or the band tryouts, or whatever. I'm there. You know, yeah. the phone's off. Sure, I might get a text, but like, hey, I got to call you back in a couple hours. Not happening. But it, being an entrepreneur when you're when you're starting up older, it's a lot because you're a little bit more tired. I need more sleep. Um, I'm not as young as I used to be, so I'm not like I can't do an all nighter. I can't work till one or two in the morning anymore and get up at four or five and and hustle. But I try to, you know, I try mm -hmm. to work people. Um, and I realize that's a, a limit I have, and I just have to figure out a way to do that. So one of the biggest mindset hacks I have is I'm just going to outwork people. That's it. So when they're down the beach or I see them partying in the clubs on Saturday and Sunday, guess what I'm doing? I'm working. I'm yeah. hustling. I'm I'm grinding. I'm out, I'm gonna out beat you, and I'm gonna outwork you. There's nobody's gonna get up earlier than me. And yeah, I might go to bed earlier, but I'm going to probably work on a Saturday or Sunday if I need to, you or on vacation. And it's figuring out the harmony of it. Yeah. It's work-life balancing, not yeah. work-life balance. Exactly. You're right. Always on- like, Juggling it. Right. Always yeah. on a, a scale. Right. Yeah. And you're just trying to get to that nice median. It changes all the time. Oh, absolutely. Right. So how do you, you know, do this work-life balancing within your relationship as well with your wife that she's not like- upset that you're working so much because i'm trying to figure this out for myself like i've cut off work past like 7 p.m i try to and i try not to work super hard on the weekends because yeah. just like if i don't st uh, establish my boundaries early on now there will never be boundaries yeah and that's that's a great question and that's huge and we still struggle with that because it's in really what it comes down is all about the communication you got to communicate things. Um, so what we try to do is every Sunday, what we call like an executive meeting or like a family meeting. Okay, what's on the schedule this mm -hmm. week? Uh, my daughter has, you know, a band uh, concert somewhere down in Smyrna. Okay, so Saturday, we know we need to be there. I got to meet these clients on Wednesday. Who's picking up the kids at school? What are you doing where? So we try to figure out where people need to be so I can help as much as I can. And a lot of times it's pitching in. It's like, you know what? Like she's got the kids. She's working as well. Um, she's doing the laundry, she's doing the cooking. Now I'll do the laundry today. I'll throw the towels in the washer. Wow, I'll so empty good. a dishwasher. A lot of those little things that you do. Um, but it's all about the communication. You got to communication, communicate where you are and what you're doing, because if you don't, then it's, it's hell. Cause we went through that where it's like, what are you doing? Where are you going? You're doing a firewalk or you're doing this? Why? You didn't tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you get pissed off. So you got to over communicate in the mm -hmm. relationship and just set those expectations. And we're always, you know, foreshadowing, okay, what's coming in the next 90 days? Okay, well, there's Christmas parade for the kids, or there's this, or there's yeah. that. Uh, we want to go on vacation. We got to plan around all that stuff. And that's what we do. And we're constantly looking at our schedules, making sure we're where we need to be and being present. And that's that's the key. And it, it works. You have your hiccups here and there. I mean, sometimes you have your ups and your hiccups, but that's all a part of a, a relationship. And you just got to... Just gonna be out there and just say, "Hey, this is my screw up, and I own it and move forward." That's actually such good advice. I really appreciate that, Joe. Yeah, I needed to ask that for selfish reasons. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, you'll be asking me years later. Be like, "Hey, what did you do? What did you do?" But I think the biggest thing is like having that meeting or just talking about what's happening this week. And that's kind of even how I structure my my work week. It's like, okay, I take thirty minutes on a Sunday. You know, half time of the game. Okay, what do I need to do this week? What are the three biggest mm -hmm. things? I got an interview on Thursday. I've got to reach out to twenty guests to see what I can get. So I kind of plan my week around all that yeah. and make sure. I'm proactive versus reacting to everything. Cause I see every entrepreneur do that. They're reacting to everything and that's why they can't get ahead. Oh, you're talking about the game on Sunday. I was yeah. wondering if you have any connections to get us into the Eagles and Cowboys games in like two <laughs> I'm, weeks. I'm, tr I'm trying. You're I, trying yeah, yourself? I'm, I'm hustling that I'm going too. Craigslist yeah. right now. I'm like looking at these, <laughs> these nice seats, like middle of the run mill. I don't know what I call it, but it's like 400 for like, yeah. um, these are, 
season ticket holders who are just trying to sell off their tickets. Uh, have yeah, you like StubHub, yeah. Well, it's insane. The yeah. price is insane. Do you personally so. know any season ticket holders? I, I know of a few. And I, yeah. there's one I haven't talked to probably in some time. But I've been trying to hustle and try to get some because I think this is going to be a good season for the Eagles. So oh, yeah. I haven't had any luck yet. Everybody, keeping yeah, everything? Yeah, everybody seems keeping to be, everything. Everybody seems to be keeping everything this year. Like last year, was kind of like they you can get a game off. or two. Yeah. And my schedule just didn't work where I was like traveling. There was a kid event on Sunday. So I had to watch it from afar. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying this year to desperately... So as soon as I get a hold of somebody, I'll let you know and see what we get. But you know how much season tickets are? Oh God, I know it's like my, five thousand, six thousand. Yeah, person, there's like right? the seat license. I think it's like thirty two hundred, or it's probably more than that now. A friend of mine had season tickets, and it was in the second hundred level. And I want to say it was like it was a seat license, a thirty two hundred. You had to pay for the year, and then it was like he had two seats, and I think it was like back then it was like eighty five per seat for the game, so whatever that was. So it probably was like seventy five hundred. Yeah, for eight games. Yeah, I wonder like, that. like yeah. that could be business maybe. Where you just get season tickets and then you just sell every single game until it's a huge network until thing. you yeah. until you paid for it and then right. you could go to the games for free. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a huge networking thing. I mean, like I have companies that'll take us to Phillies games or you know Flyers games or give us tickets, and it's a huge thing because like, hey, here you go, and uh, then you start possibly doing business with them because yeah. like you, they, you think about them, oh, they were very generous. Yeah, no, we just had we just went to our first Flyers game this past uh, Pre- first preseason game. First preseason wow. game, so it was we, so much. It was fun. so random. We were just in like uh, South Philly or like on Pass Young, and we were just like, "Hey, would would it be cool if we went to like a Flyers game tonight?" It's like, "Would it be cool?" That's always like the, the starting line to anything. It's like, oh, they are fun. Yeah, so we we went and we weren't expecting anybody to get into any fight chain and there was two and was, yeah. <laughs> i'm fights. always disappointed there's no fight yeah. this is a boring game yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah we were also looking on tickets for like on StubHub, and we were in the ticket booth i'm not sure if this is like the truth or they're just trying to hustle us because they're like you buy on StubHub, you don't know when they're going to transfer those tickets over yeah. or how soon could you possibly get in because it was like an hour before the game actually started and if we paid the discount price which was like 25% less dude it was like 50% less it was 50% wow. less yeah. so I was like I don't know have you ever had experience with the StubHub and you, you pay for it like literally right before you get in like we didn't we walked into the ticket booth oh, wow. without tickets and oh you're like gosh. oh yeah. so what do, you, what do you think we should do we're asking the ticket master <laughs> what do you think we should do and right. they're just like of course like buy from us you get it right away right here right now wow <laughs> never never had that experience but like i've done StubHub or whatever you do the exchange and you I, usually what i look for is like download now so i don't like wait for uh, it to come okay so it'll usually and... i think it's StubHub would say download now so like i make sure and you know I, I do that so when we've done like sixers games or flyers or phillies whatever I'm like oh download now so i got them right then and there wow for like the next day or the next week okay. We're that's, idiots. that's what yeah. we gotta do that's all right it's all good you learn you know yeah, now yeah, you yeah. learn now, <laughs> i mean well, something new. <laughs> tk paid for the tickets so. tk did pay for the yeah. tickets shout out to tk <laughs> oh we went to the phillies game it was crazy a couple weeks ago and it was a family of four i mean i couldn't believe like price wise how much it was but it was like when it was all said and done with eating and, mm-hmm. and drinking and everything i mean it had to be 500 bucks wow family of four and we weren't even the bottom we were in like the 300 level i was like wow this is absolutely insane all right good to the flyers game because this is like you get a big bang for your buck and you're you just do. chilling you get fights and you get a yeah. lot of crazy you get a lot more oh you're you're fun. watching basketball soccer and boxing all in <laughs> yeah, one yeah, arena yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i love it too because the coach in me comes out i'm like okay i see people fighting or i see something going on over there because you always see fights in the stands i'm laughing I'm like all right what's their problem what's going on why are they pissed off and it's it's so much fun to watch people watching it. yeah i do that a lot of that have you ever won a 50 50 at one of the bigger games 
I have not won a 50 50. What's I've the put coolest so thing you've times. ever won? What's the coolest <laughs> thing you've ever won? Coolest thing I've ever won. Jelly bean contest in eighth grade. You counted I it? <laughs> I, I, I actually came within one jelly bean of the total. And I don't know what it was, but I stared at it for an hour, sitting on my teacher's desk. On the, I still have the image of it, sitting right here, and I'm looking at it like, like this. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm counting. She, everybody starts laughing. Of course, that's when I was getting teased and everything. And so they announced it. They said, Chowski wins. And I was shocked. And I won this big ass thing of jelly beans, and it was great. And it was, it was, it was, I just remember. It was the coolest thing. I might have won tickets and okay. things like that. And, you know, would have won like on an instant ticket, like 50 bucks. But for some reason, that was kind of cool. Is there a reason why people bullied you? You were counting jelly beans. I, I, I probably bully you too, honestly. Would you would you bully yourself? Uh, probably. Looking looking back at my younger self, I, I love that question. Yeah. Would you bully yeah. yourself? I, I probably would have because I'm like, man, I was like a nerd. Like, seriously, because when I came from Philly to Chicago, I had my buttoned up always. Like I'd be buttoned up. I came into fourth grade. No lie. Oh, God, this is terrible to say this. I came in with Snoopy boots. Snoopy the character, you know, from Charlie Brown. And I was like raincoat, like rain boots, rain boots. Yeah. I came in and they were like laughing and it's just, I just, I don't know what it was. It's just my personality or whatever, but I just, I was just a kind of a target for it and it, it messed me up, but you know, I got through oh it and I'm gosh. here today. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably looking back and seeing myself. Yeah. I probably would have laughed at you know, the Snoopy boots or you yeah. cut all those jelly beans or you you know, you're dropping the ball all the time or you can't hit anything, you know, did so. your parents not teach you how to be cool. They did. I mean, they, you know, they, they were very loving. I mean, my parents are always loving. I think, you know, they were always loving to a fault, you know, and mm. stuff like that. So mm. it was always kind of that really caring oh. kid and stuff like that. So, um, but once they started to see the impact, I mean, they were, they were on it. It was funny. They're like, they got me weights. So like, here, go do this. And my dad, I remember my dad, mom one time, cause I was getting pushed, knocked the shit out of them. And so that's what happened in eighth grade. You know, um, the kid pushed me into the urinal so I got so mad, like I got all charged up. It was like Hulk Hogan, like, you know, Hulk up or something. You get like charged up. So I turned around and swung and hit the kid in the eye and punched him, knocked him out. Dude, that's awesome. And, oh, let's that's go. freaking sick. Yeah, knocked and, him out. and at, at that point, I was never, never. bullied again wow. in, in grade school because of that, because I just I just stood up. It was one of those yeah. things. And it was funny, the the principal who was a nun at the time was like, Well, you're getting suspended, but she was like this. She was like winking, like almost like good job, because she knew I was getting bullied. Cause oh, I was only like, Look, they're teasing me. Yeah, like dude. They were stealing shit out of my lockers, and I was like always missing markers, um, you know, scissors. Like mm -hmm. everything was always taken out of my locker, and my desk was always messed up. And we bring in show and tell stuff. People would steal and hide it. And I'm like, I don't know where it's at. And then I just had nothing one day, and I did it. And I'll never forget. She kind of like did this wink, like, "Good job, but you're still suspended, dude. Sorry." You know? <laughs> it's what but it was is. cool. It is it what is. it is. But I, you know, they stopped. So and that was a great thing. So, do your kids ever get bullied or? Have you taught them differently? Yes, that is. I, I was gonna. I was waiting for that question. I knew there's gonna be a follow. But yeah, my, my kids have gotten bullied. Um, it is it is quite scary. It's a whole different world, you know, with these devices, with the cell phones. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of shit that these kids go through. Uh, and we've taught our kids, look, stand up for yourself. You don't hit first, but if somebody swings at you, I'm cool with you hitting back. Knock the shit out of them, kind of thing. Um, and stand your ground. And and we've taught them that. And they're very caring. They're very loving, kind of like I was. And I see some of those traits in me and and they have gotten bullied but they have stood up for themselves and you know sometimes you read the text message you'd be like my daughter said that like wow that's really cool or like i hear her on the phone saying no no more stop your crap and i'm like wow that's really cool so they have started to stand up for themselves and they've gotten more confident and we've tried to really teach them you got to be confident like stand up for yourself whether it's a grade in school with a teacher you're having a problem stand up and say look i have a problem stop time out no more you know let's fix this and they're starting to do that it's taking time to do that but they 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 have started to do that my son is uh 
almost a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh so God. he ain't going to get bullied. Oh, he's not going to get bullied. Yeah. Whoop my he's ass, bro. Yeah. Out. He's yeah. the bully. Yeah, because he's, he's always doing his little Taekwondo thing. So he's really gotten the confidence, which is amazing. And now he's wanting to play basketball. And my daughter's oh my doing dance and, and, and con- stuff that I never even dreamed of doing. I mean, That's I awesome. never did that. I'm like, wow, this is cool. So they're on their way to really being confident, which is something I love. Can, can your son do a backflip? Not yet. He's tried, so he's scared of that. So he's done the front flip. Okay. Uh, okay. But the back flip, he's, they've done it with him assisting him, like mm-hmm. holding him. So he's getting there. And I, I think for second degree, you got to do that. So I'm like really? waiting for that. But I'm also that. like scared. I'm like, okay, how's he going to do this? And I'm like, you know what? He's to a kid. get the next belt, you have to do a back flip. I think he has to do a back flip, yeah, for second degree. What? It, or if sick. not, for like the leadership team, at some point, they're going to make him do that. So, okay. so probably the next year, he's going to have to do that. do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you limit the amount of time they spend on electronic devices, like their phones and. We do. Um, I took a lot of heat from people because I had always said I want my kids to have a phone early on. So like when my son was 10 and my daughter was 11, they got their, you know, they got their first phones. And a lot of it was because of safety, because I was so tired of all the damn you know, shootings at schools. And my biggest thing was for protection and safety. And because all the wackos that are out there now, maybe I do overkill. But I'm like, when you're at your dance, I want you to have a phone in case some knucklehead comes in. You can call or text me and say, hey, we have a problem or you can call whatever it is. Um, so we can be in touch and then mm-hmm. gradually they got on social media. So we do get their phones at night. Um, we haven't okay. graded it, but we've limited their, you know, their things on there, but they do a lot of research on it and they have their own social media. It's amazing what they're kind of doing. They're creating all this stuff. Like, this is really cool. Watching my son with his YouTube channel. Like, it's fascinating to see what they're doing on one hand. You're like, this is great. I want them to keep doing it. But also too, you got to have some, some notes cause they got to get out there and, and meet other kids and, and. You know, socialize and network yeah. and stuff like that because the social skills have to be there so so we do do limits we're not great at it but mm-hmm. i see so many other kids they're on at like one o'clock in the morning i'm like why is this other kid in this class texting my daughter at one o'clock in the morning like, that's not cool mm. so it's scary to see that mm. you should lead him on invite him over <laughs> yeah <laughs> knock him yeah get your son to sock him yeah seriously stop doing it yeah leave my so, sister alone yeah exactly <laughs> he might do that <laughs> so it's amazing but yeah i see a lot of craziness with social now so how have your kids kind of developed over time? Do you think they have an idea of, or do you have an idea of what they're going to go into in the future, whether they're more in the entrepreneurial route or whether they're more in the W2 route? Like, what can you see like this early on? Well, my son and I really developed a relationship with basketball because I played basketball off and on like in high school mm-hmm. and I got a chance to try out for Villanova. I, I, I almost did, but I had actually tore a ligament or strained a ligament in my, uh, my foot and then sprain the ankle. So I missed tryouts and stuff. So my son is like really keen. His biggest thing is he wants to get into the NBA. Oh, so he's wow. like so hyper-focused on that now. So he still has a Taekwondo, but he's like outside every day for two hours practicing and practicing and doing everything. So we've worked out some stuff where we've gone into some high school gyms and we've practiced. So he wants to be some kind of athlete is, is what mm-hmm. he wants to be. My daughter wants to get into forensic sciences, like be a forensic scientist somehow. So I think it's pretty cool. So we're not like being like, hey, you got to do this, or you got to be a doctor, or you got to be like a top lawyer or something, or be an yeah. entrepreneur. Like we're just saying, hey, what you start thinking about some things you want to do, and they're already starting to think and research on their own, which is kind of cool. So I think she's maybe going around like W two or something like that, and my son's probably going to be an athlete. I think I have a funny awesome. feeling. Do you think he has the talent? I think he does. He has the drive though. I mean, to see him yeah. practice and just practice, and he does all this research. I mean, he comes up with all these stats. He's like, did you know Joel Embiid did this? Or he'll ask me a question. He's like, well, Michael Jordan, he won six championships. He did it in like eight years. He's like, How? like mm-hmm. And he has all these like stats, and it's amazing. And he's like, Joel Embiid's now the fourth like best player in the NBA for the season. He's probably going to win MVP. I'm like, where does he come out with this? And he's like learning all these things. He's like, hey, I want to do a post-up move. Let's go outside. I'm like, <laughs> where'd you come up with this? And he YouTubes it. 
and he watches these videos and he goes out there and demonstrates them. Like, wow. So I think, I think he's got the ability. He's got to gain some more confidence and I'm seeing that, mm -hmm. uh, which is good. So I, th I think he'll do really well. What about like his, the things that he can't change in terms of his height or yep. whether his body type, what, what do you think that realistically, I don't, I don't know. He's probably going to listen to this like, well, put a chip on his shoulder. If you think he yep. really can or cannot do it. Yeah. And we've done, I've done a little bit of that. I like kind of put in the chip like, Hey, you know, you're going to have some limitations, you know, you are going to be short. I mean, I'm 5'11 and yeah. I think the doctor said he's probably gonna be like 5'11 and he came to me the other day and my wife and he goes, I'm gonna eat more bananas because I think that helps grow. I want to be 6'5. I think 6'5 <laughs> yeah, is really good. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, dude, like you're coming up with all this stuff. Like you're researching, like this is, he's like, he's on this fruitcake. He's like, get me grapes and strawberries because I think they help you grow and they help your hormones. I'm like, where are you coming up with this stuff, dude? <laughs> so he's like, he's got a goal to be over six foot. And he always asked me, he's like, is six two really short for a guard? I said, well, for like somebody like you, probably. And I said, but what you can make up in is all the other things. You got to be quick. You got to be great at defense. So you, there's things you can offset and make up with your height. And I said, you know, follow somebody that's out there like that. Pattern yourself after that. And he's doing that, which is cool. Yeah. And I, I said, hey, look, I said, I'm going to be honest. With you. I said, it's really tough. You might not make it, but there's a chance you could if you work your ass off. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. So that's yeah. all I can ask for. Shoot 10 feet away from the three-point line. <laughs> right. From yeah. any point on the yeah. court. Is, is he a good shooter? He's a good shooter. He actually went to a couple camps this summer. And it's funny. It's like he's out there. And, like, I'll see him in the hallway. He does this with the thing. And I'm like – that is some damn good form. I'm like, holy shit, dude. And he's like, yeah, he's like this. He's doing the form. And I'm like, wow. And I'm like, so he's really got good shooting for him. And I'm watching him shoot outside and it's like accurate. Mm -hmm. And he's like in gym class at school. He's like, yeah, I made three three-pointers today. I'm like, really? I'm like, no, you're bullshitting me. He's like, no. He's like, I did. And I was like, wow. Yeah. He's like, I scored like 10 points. And I'm like, I trust him. I'm like, that's really cool. He's just 11. Yeah. So in three years, he'll be in high school. Be in high school. So then, you know. You better be the best damn high schooler, high school player in his freshman year if he's gonna be playing in the NBA. That's what I told him. I said you gotta, you gotta just number worry one about sixth grade, year. right? He's gonna get in sixth grade basketball, so it's just really his first taste. Oh, and then, uh, you know, high school, he's already school. thinking about high schools and stuff. I'm like, wow, do you got like three years? So like, just work on your stuff right now. Yeah. Focus on the now, and that's what I'm like. Focus on developing your skills now. Worry about it. That's great, but don't focus so much yeah, on yeah. the end goal right now. Yeah. Where would you send him for high school? Where would he want to go? So I went to Selesianum. I oh, you love, went to Yeah, I, I would love cool. that. But we went over to uh, to Sanford School um, about a month ago. I yeah. shot in the gym, and a lot of the big players go there. So they, a friend of the family, um, son is on the team or coaches the team. So he's like recruiting him. He's giving us shirts. So he's already trying to recruit him. So it's hysterical. Okay. So he's like, I like Sanford. <laughs> so he's got the Selesianum and Sanford shirt. So every other day he'll put the Sanford or Selesianum. So I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I think we're going here. I think I'm going here. So it's, <laughs> it's probably funny. a toss up between those two. I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, you got some time. So. Yeah, he got to be really obsessed with it, play year-round. Well, he is. Right? I mean, yeah. he's already talking about, okay, what do we do in the winter? He's like, can we get in the gym in the winter when it snows? And I'm like, wow. I'm like, he is like really dedicating himself because he's got the book now like with all the stats and he's on what I mean I'll see him like you know coming out of the bathroom he's got his phone and he's watching a basketball video mm -hmm. and we're watching Michael Jordan in the last dance and he's like how did Jordan do this and I'm like holy crap dude like he's really analyzing this shit I'm like this is awesome yeah so so yeah, I mean dude so Chef Zogi the guy we had on he he said when he was 5'8 he was playing in like Russia in a pro league wow so height I mean, although it, it is an advantage, like you could you could still play in in Europe and Asia, right? 
and we talked about that too because he's like well where do some of the players that don't make an NBA so well they go to Europe they go to overseas they go to Japan Philippines and we mm-hmm. big Villanova fan I went there so he follows everybody he's like where did this guy go where did that guy overseas and he'll follow them like you know on YouTube or YouTube mm-hmm. the video of the guy playing in China and so he kind of understands I said look I said it's going to be really hard but I said if you want it I'm sure you could probably do it but I said you've got a lot of limitations with your height and you got to make up all this stuff so you got to have the ultimate confidence and you, you cannot back down whatsoever and I said, you just got to go out there and just, you know, with a killer mentality. And he's watching Kobe videos. He's watching Jordan videos. So I'm like, okay, maybe he's like really learning all the, the mentality and getting in his head. Because I yeah. can see he's really competitive because he'll come home and talk about, well, I did this. And I, I stopped the guy from dribbling on the side and the sideline. And he's like, I stole the ball. I'm like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, it's great. But I'm like, all right, just just play and have fun right now. Yeah. We got some time. Have fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So going back to everything that you're working on, like what is currently – your number one priority professionally that you're working in what are some of your goals that you're working towards awesome so obviously for the mortgage business right now growing that into a million dollar business and we think we can do that um, next year by the end of next year uh, we're looking at hiring some new people um, we've got we've expanded into like the commercial uh, loan market uh, we're getting into a lot of the not what they call 9qm like um, debt services coverage ratio mm-hmm. loans like bank statement loans and things like that so we have a wide variety of products and we're constantly out on social media we're running ads constantly so people know about us so we're definitely trying to grow that business that's the key is to a million dollar business so i can then teach people hey like this is the right way to do it because you go to all these courses oh yeah grow a million dollar business yeah you haven't gotten a million dollar business so now we can teach that and then also up the rear growing my coaching business as well incorporating more mindset training for people uh, more firewalking, more like um, extreme experiences for people to have a lot of breakthroughs. Because at the end of the day, I love helping people get past their limiting beliefs and fears. Because I always think back to that younger self, like being so fearful of, of everything and always being picked last and you know always in the back of the classroom. And that's like what drives me and motivates me to help people is like, I want you to succeed. I want you to have the best life out there. And not, you know, later in life when I did, start now, start in your 20s. So that's a driving force is growing the coaching business. I have a couple programs I'm working on um, to actually help people with that. So I'm looking forward to launching that probably the end of this year, next year, working on a, a book as well. So I'm, I've been writing that for the past couple months. And uh, it's all about mindset and strategies and how to get yourself in the right frame of mind. Because to me, that's that's the biggest thing that will get you through anything. Because all the shit that happens, it's all secondary. You know, you can have a problem, you can have a car breakdown, but what's going to get you through that problem you know you're gonna have all kinds of shit happen to you business partners drive you nuts and you break apart relationships fall apart but what is going to get you through to get to that next level and succeed and not crawl under a rock and and lose everything so what differentiates your business book from the ones that already exist or like what type of unique spin do you put on your content that makes you different or makes people want to buy your book? So on the book, it's it's. I have a title right now, it's 365 Mindset. So what I've created is 365 different things. So you could read one thing a day on, it could be mindset, like how to gain, here's how to gain more confidence. Here's how to save more money. Or here's something you should do, change your car oil every 4,000 miles. It's things that will help you in life to be proactive and have the right mindset so you can really prevent a lot of things from happening or be in a proactive state. Really kind of be in the driver's seat of your life and your career and everything. So I, I did some research. I haven't seen anybody put something like out there like that yet where you do 365 tips mm-hmm. where you one day of the year and I'm working on a video series for it. So I'll have people coming in to the funnel that way. And I think that's what's going to differentiate is there's all different kinds of tips from every kind of piece of life. You know, it could be tactical. It could be physical, like make sure you work out, make sure you eat right or make sure, 
you know, your phone's fully charged when you have a storm, things like that. So that way you're not in a bad spot. Okay. And you got the right mindset. Yep. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about your coaching? Yeah. Like, I guess how that started and also like that one story with the, the lady. Yeah. So I started doing some career coaching because I always, I was always the, um, the manager that was in the job fair mix, like always interviewing people. Um, I remember when I was working out of Philly, we had job fairs and I interviewed one day, like a hundred and some people. And I just was like, man, like people interview like shit. Like there's people come in, like they're dressed in like shorts for like a, a, a banking interview. And somebody it's like, you know, just look like they got out of bed and the hair is a mess and stains all over shirt. People coming in late to interviews, people picking up cell phones and stuff. So my business, my coaching business started out more career minded. Like here's tactical things that you can do to be successful in your career. Like I didn't ask for a raise, you know, here's how you do salary negotiation. Here's how you interview better. And it started with a lot of tactical stuff. And over time, I realized like people have this already in them to be successful. They know how to interview. It's really in the mindset. Like you, if you have it in here and you have it in here and you're gutting everything, it's really, this is the biggest thing right now. It's like 90%, 85, 90% in your head. It's all about the mindset. So I started seeing people just, I'm not confident on how to do it. Well, you can interview. You just interviewed in front of me. Why is it so hard for you to get in front of a person live and do it? So then I started doing a lot of like mock coaching that way and it became more mindset. And then the story I had was about five, six years ago, I had a person who uh, had friended me on Facebook a couple weeks before and they were following my coaching stuff. And three o'clock in the morning, my Facebook messenger goes off and it's like, hi, I need some help. I'm driving to the Delaware Memorial Bridge. I'm having a really bad life. I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. And I'm like waking up like, wow, like what's going on? So I said, please call me right away. And the person called me and said, yeah, I'm in a bad relationship. Uh, person, my partner cheated. Um, my one kid's doing all these drugs. Um, I'm failing in my business, doing all this stuff. And I'm driving to the Delaware Memorial Bridge and I think I'm going to end my life. And oh my I was gosh. like, oh shit, like. And I just didn't have time to react. Like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? I just got in that zone. It's like, okay, first, what do I got to do? I got to basically talk this person off of like jumping, get them out of the physical thing. So I started doing some tactics of like reframing, like what's going on, all their beliefs. Like, is it really that bad? I kept asking questions like, what's really that bad about it? Well, you know, I got cheated on. The spouse is this bad and my kids are doing this. I said, but you're still living. They're still living. They're getting help, right? And what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, we get a divorce and we get separated. I said, okay, is that really the end of your life? And she was like, no. And I could kind of hear the wheels turning a little bit. And I said, okay. I said, so why, why go that route? You have, I said, what's your why? What drives you? My kids, I said, okay. So if you took your own life, would your kids be upset? Yes. I said, isn't that selfish? And I was like, well, I'm really going down a crazy <laughs> path here. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. But I had to keep going because like I, I felt it. I said, okay, I need you to turn around. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I could feel the tension ease and I could feel the person, you know, getting a little bit more angry. Like, why did I get here? Why did I get here versus the sadness? So like their state of mind changed. I said, okay. So on the other hand, then I'm getting on the phone, like calling the police, like, hey, I got a, somebody that's suicidal. I need to protect them because I want to protect myself and then them. And I said, I think you need to go home. You need to call a doctor. You need to get some help. And I'm like, you need to get a hold of your kids. So she actually, I was on the phone with her and she actually turned around. Went home, got in her driveway, woke up her kid and said, hey, this is what's going on. Um, and then <laughs> everything was kind of taken care of, basically. Bless you. Um, Bless you. And then, um, Sorry, guys. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> that's the beauty of, of an interview. Um, but And that's like in the moment. Like I, I could not lose her. I was not willing to let her kill herself for that. There was even an option. The option was to get her home, get her safe, 
And, you know, it turns out she went, started seeing therapists, got the help she needed, divorced, kids got situated, uh, basically remarried and is in a whole different job, whole different career and happier than anything. And it was all about the mindset. She thought her life was just so bad. Yes, it seemed bad at the time because all this shit was happening, but it really wasn't that big on the grand scheme of things. It was big to her, but mm -hmm. in your mind, it's like, is it really that bad? You know, there's things you can do and there's solutions to your problems. And from that point on, I was like, it's, this is, this was amazing. And, you know, so every year I get the text like, Hey, thanks for saving my life. And I keep saying, no, I text back. I'm like, you saved your life. I helped you give tools because to me, that's the ego. It's like, no, I didn't, you saved yourself. I just gave you a little bit of push to get there. And to me, that's what gives me chills is helping people get out of those, those desperate moments where like they can't see anything or even if it's a small thing, like, hey, I'm having a bad day. Okay. What's so bad about it? Yeah. And I just reframe them and get them in a different mindset. And that's what I love doing. So ultimately that's where I want to be is that's the big business. Yeah. I think my favorite part about coaching as much as you're helping a lot of people, it's not so much that you're doing it for them as much as you're helping them, uh, find their way. Right. Because they already know what they need to do. A lot of people, if they want to, run a successful business or they want to live their life a certain way they generally know how to get there but nobody's holding them accountable or nobody's asking them the right. right questions in order to craft that path step by step and that was one of the big things that i learned when i went to hawaii you know for this mastermind um and the main thing was you can all uh we had these focus groups of like six people. It was like 30 people in the room, but six people per group. And the only thing that you could do was ask the person in the hot seat questions. Wow. You cannot give any advice. And I think when you go about the route of yeah. not giving advice and not leading or not asking leading questions, like, uh, yeah, like, do you think you should do this? Like, that's not a good question. <laughs> right. It's more so like, what would happen if this happened? Um, why would that be so bad or what like one of the questions on the board was literally what can i say right now that will make you cry and i was like what uh, wow wow <laughs> the, yeah. yeah so what was it what can make you cry what can make me cry yeah, right now <laughs> what can make me cry dude if like my parents got into a car accident right now right i would be devastated i'm like i don't even know what to do anymore like literally wow. But that's a huge point. I mean, it's really, you know, that's the coaching is so many coaches and entrepreneurs, they try to put their map of the world on people. Like they yeah. say, Hey, you should do this now. It's like, well, what do you think? Cause when you're coaching somebody for them to get the success, the answer has to come from them. So I'm really just trying to bring it out and be like, Hey, so what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And it has to be in their mind. Like, okay, this makes sense. I get it. Cause you say, Hey, go interview, go do six home Mary's and a side order of fries or do this or do that or <laughs> something and go, go study it's not going to be ingrained in them. You have to get them to do it and say, okay, what works for you? Because me studying six hours versus somebody else could be three hours or visual. Like I'm visual, they might be audio. So you got to really understand what their map of the world is. When you do that, you can really understand somebody and figure out what drives them and what motivates them. And then you can create that plan by asking those questions and really getting them to ingrain it in the mind. Like, okay, I got this. And that's the most beautiful thing when you give those tools to help somebody and then you see them you know, blow up an interview amazingly, or they get the salary and their six figures or their business is started. And two years later, it's a million dollar business. You're like, damn, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what's fire. That's what, that's what gets me up every day at four in the morning. <laughs> that's freaking awesome. Josh, you got anything left to ask Joe? Uh, I mean, I guess like what would be if you can't go on a fire walk, what would be like the first thing that someone needs to do to change their mindset? That's a great question. I think the biggest thing is confidence. A lot, a lot of mindset issues come from 
like a lack of belief and lack of confidence. So really changing your mindset, like we talked about earlier, like getting ingrained, like, hey, I've got this, I can do this. Um, so you know, like positive affirmations. Right, exactly. Gratitude in the morning, like what you're thankful for, puts you in a good state. When I get up, I'm always thinking in my head, okay, what are the three things I'm grateful for? You know, my wife, kids are healthy. I've got great businesses going. Might not be perfect, but you know, I've got these things going. Or today I woke up, I'm breathing. Or I wasn't feeling well, you know, the other day. Now I'm feeling great. Like I'm so thrilled and happy for that. So the gratitude... And then getting yourself confident, like the affirmations, you know, just saying, I've got this, I've got this. And that's, that's one of the things that will change your state right away. And a lot of it's state management, getting up and, and moving yourself too. Because a lot of people are slouching over, oh, I don't got this. And they're sitting on a couch like this. Oh, let me watch Netflix and chill and do this. No, get up and move a little bit. Get the blood flowing. You know, get out and call somebody. Take some massive action, you know. And fire walking is like taking massive action. But do those affirmations and then take some massive action call 10 people, you know, get out of your comfort zone or start writing something, journaling something, anything you can do to get things going. And that'll get you moving in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Is there any last things that you want to leave for the audience before we wrap things up? I'd say the biggest thing is don't worry about what other people think. I mean, for so many years, I was always worried. Was I worthy enough or uh, was I good enough? And the biggest thing I can tell people is stop worrying about other people's shit. People are going to say and do whatever they want about you. Mm. I mean, I still get it. Even though I'm very confident now in my interviews, I still get people, you know, uh, bashing me on Facebook, on YouTube or whatever. And I laugh at it. I'm like, I know because they're in a different state. They're coming from a state of like uh, some scarcity. There's something wrong in their life. I appreciate it and hope for the best for them. And that's it. And I just, I just don't care what people think or say about me anymore. Uh, and, and that's one of the biggest things I wish people would take away is like, stop worrying about other people's shit. Just go do, go break stuff, go risk stuff, go out there and just build something cool and not worry about it. And I think if I would have done that in my 20s, I'd have been in a much different spot. Although I'm grateful where I'm at now, I think that's the biggest thing I see people worry so much. Yeah. If the audience wanted to get a hold of you, reach out to you, maybe do some loans or maybe yeah. talk to you more about your coaching services, where could they reach out to you at? Yeah, it's easy. Two places. So allinmortgage.com. So it's A-L-L-I-N wordmortgage.com or my website, coaching website, joewoo.com. It's J-O-E-W-O-O.com. It's still yeah. badass. Very easy. I'm all <laughs> over social media, so you'll see me. If you're not in Delaware, you don't know me, then something's wrong. But uh, I'm always available. My phone <laughs> is always on. You can you can call, text me anytime, and uh, happy to help in any way about anything. That's Joe Wu for you guys. That's it. Thank you so much, Joe. Really appreciate it, bro. Thank you, guys. I really Thank appreciate it. This was awesome. You guys are great, too. Right. Thank you. Peace. See ya. Not a genius out. <laughs>